There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to Test Tube Baby. This is episode four. My name is Miranda Burns and over there in my good books because he made me coffee this morning. Is Tristan Hall and Hi. I did make you coffee and I tidied the kitchen. Yeah, I know I just came downstairs and saw that. I'm it's so amazing. impressed. It's sparkling. Empty the dishwasher. And the, But you didn't empty the bowl. There is still soapy water in the bowl. Oh because I washed our mugs and then just put them. Are you saving it for later? Yeah, in case I get thirsty. Oh, don't drink. When you were a child, did you ever drink the bath water? I, yes. Yeah, yeah. I did that. I was about to say, no, I didn't, but I definitely did <laughs> definitely do that. Definitely did. Uh, all right, so wherever you are, wherever you're listening, we hope you're having a lovely day. If you are new to our podcast family, in Test You Baby, we chat through all things IVF and hopefully beyond because cross your fingers and your toes and your eyeballs that one day there is going to be a baby joining us. Now, usually in this podcast, uh, we go off on lots of tangents. We have more than one euphemism because Tristan features and he loves them. And inevitably, we expose and embarrass ourselves. However, this episode is going to be a little bit different um, because we have chosen to discuss some of the more difficult and upsetting things that we've been through. We we just felt like we would kind of be doing ourselves and the TTC community a disservice if we didn't acknowledge these aspects exist. So in today's episode, we're covering miscarriage, bleeding in pregnancy, loss, jealousy, loneliness. You know, it's going to be a very intimate and frank conversation if that doesn't sound like it's for you, then please just pass on this podcast and meet us at the next one. We completely understand. You know, these topics, they are delicate. Uh, and if you don't want to listen, there's absolutely no judgment. You need to look after yourself first and foremost. And if you are affected by anything spoken about in this episode, then you can go to miscarriageassociation.org.uk and their helpline is 01924 200799. Now, you know by now that we found out my AMH level was 4.7 in October 2019. Then we also found out about Triss's issues with his sperm and my fallopian tubes in December 2019. So it was told to us at that point that it would be medically impossible for us to get pregnant. And those were the words that were said to us. And it was really difficult to hear um but we're both like I'd say we're quite resilient people you know we we try to be positive obviously that is not always possible um but we saw it I guess I want to say as a challenge not really a challenge but we accepted the situation and we thought okay IVF we'll, we'll do IVF if that's what's got to be done then it's what will be done of course COVID happened and IVF got cancelled and in May 2020 we defied all the odds and we managed to get pregnant which at the time felt absolutely bonkers. It was so unexpected and I think 
that hitting us at the time that it did, we were so overwhelmed and overcome with just excitement mm. in that moment. Obviously, there's an amount of of, of fear there yeah. because this was never supposed to happen. So was it too good to be true? But there was also this immense feeling of excitement we had, wasn't there? Mm. We had defied all the odds and we were going to have this little miracle. Yeah, and that's what it was. That's what everyone was telling us and it's what we were describing it as. We're like, oh, this is the miracle baby. Everyone gets a miracle baby and this one is ours. It's kind of crazy because COVID cancelled IVF and so we actually felt like we'd gotten lucky. We were like, oh, imagine if we'd have started IVF. We never would have got pregnant naturally. How crazy that that's how everything has turned out. It was a really cruel turn of fate, though, because um, in August, we lost the pregnancy. We had a miscarriage at 18 weeks. Um, and that was brutal. It was so brutal to get told that you're medically infertile, that you won't be able to have a baby naturally, to then get pregnant naturally, and to carry that baby for four months plus. And then it get taken away from you. And it, like I cannot tell you how unfair that felt. Like that was the word that I kept using. I was like, this is so unfair. This is so cruel. Like why Why did the universe, why did God, why did any, and whoever it is that you think controls and pulls all the strings, why did they let us get pregnant just to take it away from us? Um, that was the difficult thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Because we had this dangled in front of us <sighs> and the stage that we lost her at meant that we had 18, 19 weeks worth of our lives thinking about the future yeah it was almost halfway through the pregnancy we'd had a, a flipping gender reveal party like we'd popped that cannon you know we'd found out that she was going to be a girl we'd told those closest to us now we were, we were quite guarded with the information i know lots of people they do announcements that are around about 12 weeks and we held off as long as we possibly could because we just didn't want to jinx it, little did we know. Um, but friends knew, family knew, like I know my mum sent messages across all her WhatsApp chats, like her siblings and stuff being like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be a grandma, this is happening. So bar a public announcement, we were at the point where it was completely established that we were having a child. We were going to be announcing it publicly the day that we found out she wasn't going to make it. Yeah, that that again is just the most wicked, like, and just awful thing to have happened. How, like, who? what did we do in a past life? Who aligned this so that we had to go through that? It, it was so mean. I mean, let's just give you an explanation of kind of exactly what happened because we've posted things about this on my YouTube channel, but I don't think we've ever had like a really, really brutally honest and frank discussion about it retrospectively. Like we filmed the whole thing as it was happening because we were like, oh my God, this is so cool. We got pregnant. Like we have to document this. We're so lucky. We're so fortunate. Um, and that footage has since been shared because we didn't want to pretend like it didn't happen. Um, but the, the, the more honest and uh like emotional conversations have just happened in private we've not shared any of it so we found out that i was pregnant and were in complete disbelief so much so that we took four pregnancy tests before we like before we could believe it ourselves i just didn't i was like what we were in the middle of lockdown yeah the first and it was lockdown. An evening and we thought you know what let's just take a pregnancy test on the off chance you might be kind of i was like ha, he, ha, what we're was not that? Gonna be pregnant. like three days late yeah 
Yeah. And we had a positive pregnancy test and we didn't really believe it. So we did another one. Mm-hmm. And then we we're like, well, the tests must be faulty. Do you remember we were checking to see if there's like a sell-by date on yeah, them? Yeah, because yeah, we had them for a while, hadn't we? But yeah. they were in date and we thought, okay, that's a bit weird. So we went out to a Tesco Express and yes! picked up an expensive test. I still remember the girl who sold it to us, the one behind the counter, like kind yep. of with this little coy smile. being like, oh, it was really cute. And then we came home and it was positive. The next morning, when you'd done, you know, a nighttime worth of sleeping and we had a strong wee, we did it, and <laughs> it was wee. still positive. So oh. we thought, this must be it. Oh, it was nuts. It was so nuts. Now, because of the whole medically impossible thing, we did know in the back of our minds, I say back of our minds, it was very much in the forefront of our minds that most likely that we were pregnant, it was probably going to be ectopic, all right? You remember the fallopian tube issue, the fact that it was blocked. I compared it to, what was it, the Eurotunnel? Yeah, was, yeah, the one. Yeah, there was blockages. Um, so you can have a positive pregnancy test and the embryo still be growing in the wrong place and therefore not be a viable pregnancy. So we kind of assumed, didn't we, that yes, although we'd managed to get pregnant, which still was a miracle, that most likely it was in the wrong place. Um, so we had to have a scan at five weeks. We went to see my consultant. He's a private consultant and he very kindly managed to fit us in in what was the beginning of the pandemic. This was like the end of May, yeah, I think. We were, we were like, almost at like a peak at the yeah. time, weren't we? It felt crazy. You know, we were driving up to the Midlands to see my doctor in the middle of a pandemic, having probably not even been in the car for a really long time were it not to just drive to work. Um, and he did the scan. Tris had to wait outside as is life in COVID times. You're not allowed to come into the appointment. We will touch upon that a lot more in this episode. Um, And we found out that it was in the right place. And my consultant couldn't believe it. He was just as shocked as we were. And we, like we said, like three times now, we defied the odds. It wasn't meant to happen. And it did. So much so that your consultant said, didn't he? He said as he was doing the scan, oh my, it's a miracle. Yeah, he was like, it's a miracle. Oh my God. I was worried something terrible had happened. <laughs> because just, before he said it's a miracle. Just missing half your organs or yeah. something. <laughs> oh my God, I've never seen this before. So I panicked a bit, but then I quickly realized it was good news. Now, not ectopic doesn't necessarily mean still viable because you have to have a heartbeat. So we then were put into this weird limbo stage where we knew it was in the right place, but we had to wait another couple of weeks to come back to check for a heartbeat. Again, Tris outside in the car park, me inside, and there was a heartbeat. And that was bonkers. That that was surreal. And my private consultant was like, I'm handing you over to the NHS, girl. I've done my magic. You are, the, the, the infertility has been cured. Ta-da! You're pregnant. Go and be happy and have a bump. So we got over those first two hurdles. And I think that point, we were kind of on cloud nine. And we were probably on cloud nine for all of about 14 days. Because then the next hurdle came, which was I started spotting. So I had like brown discharge. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was in the bathroom upstairs in our house. And I, you were in the bedroom or something. And I yeah. like shouted to you. I was like, Tris, Tris. And I was panicking. And it wasn't heavy and it wasn't red. It was just brown. And, you know, you do the classic thing where you Google check your symptoms. Um, and it says, yes, this is perfectly normal in pregnancy. It might be implantation bleeding or it might be old menstrual blood. But we were still a little bit worried. So we booked ourselves in to have what's called a peace of mind scan. Do you remember that? Yeah, window to the womb. 
womb. Yeah, there you go. I think they have them all across the country, so you might have come across them. They're really good if you come across them. They oh, are brilliant. Yeah, they were so lovely. Um, so we paid like whatever it was, 45, 50 quid. I think you got, I think you had a discount I code. did. I was, I was on the website for long enough that they offered me a 20% discount. So I was like, <laughs> never wanted Great. to turn down a good deal. Yeah. So I did that. <laughs> so we went and had our peace of mind scan and the heartbeat was still there. It was still strong and everything was supposed to be fine. It's a little bit nuts because, like I said, we've vlogged all this. We've, we've filmed everything. It's we've, all on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it's all my YouTube, actually. If you want to watch it, it's Miranda Burns. Obviously, retrospectively, it's a little bit sad now because we know what the ending is and it's not what we wanted. But that doesn't take away from the fact that those days were like really, really happy days. Yeah, um, yeah they're days that will stay with me forever. Oh, yeah. Because when you have this worry in you constantly when stuff's going on, mm. And there's this brief moment where you're told everything's okay, where that's genuinely what you believe. Mm. And sure enough, you know, days afterwards, we were back to worrying again. But you had this brief window of being happy and just over the moon that things were going to be okay. And that's where you start getting into the mindset of, I'm going to be a dad. Like, I'm going to have a child. I bought you a Father's Day present. You did. Oh, my God. I wrote you a card from the bump. Yeah. All these things, which, but I'm, again, I'm so glad we did them. Yeah. Because looking back on it now, that, that whole time of our lives where we were pregnant would have been so much more difficult had we just pretended we weren't. And yeah. been in this in this mindset of very cautious, which is the good thing to do. But when you have those moments where you are feeling more positive, it's important to enjoy those. Oh, yeah. And I cherish those memories. Like, I think May and June 2020 for us, although the world around us was just falling apart and, you know, everything was hysterical and terrifying. We were in this safe little haven, this like oasis of calm and anticipation and love. It was like a little love bubble, wasn't it? And not many people knew at this point, And it was just this wonderful secret that we were carrying together. And we were so happy. And I think there was a heat wave, wasn't there? And we were going yeah. on, like, we live in Winchester and it's so scenic. It's a really beautiful city. And there's the River Itchen that runs through it. And we would go on walks every day in the sunshine and get a tan. And we like just plan the future and talk about how great it was going to be. And, and like, think about names. Like, what baby names do you like? Let's add that one to the list or oh we've just watched this tv show that's a cool name should we add that one to the list you know these conversations we were having them every single day um and i suppose for a short period we were what i would describe as falsely comfortable Mm. we relaxed for the first time you know you said after the scan after that initial spotting um you know you you got these occasional like days these like respite days where you were like oh i can breathe again um but once we had it confirmed that the heartbeat was fine and the spotting was just something that was going to happen, yeah, we, we enjoyed it. We began to enjoy it. And I actually still have, this is nuts, saved in my Instagram drafts a post that I was going to share when we finally announced. And it was a mirror selfie and I'm in, I'm in my pants and my bra and I'm like holding this little blossoming bump and I'm saying, oh my goodness, today was terrifying. We went to have a scan. I was so worried something bad had happened, but it was okay. And I think I'm finally starting to enjoy this. How sad is that? It's really horrible. It's awful. <laughs> it's still, I've never shared it, obviously. And it's just there in my draft. Oh my God. It, made, it just makes me want to cry. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I think the more serious alarm bell sounded at our 12 week scan. 
So continuing on with the COVID theme, Tristan had to be outside and we knew our dates. So because of the risk of me being ectopic and because of my endodiagnosis and my irregular cycles and all that kind of stuff, um, we'd been told to download the app. I think, it, is it Clue? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I don't even know. Tristan was like, you need to download Clue. And I was like, what? Anyway, we downloaded that to keep track of everything. My cycles had regulated. They were really normal and, and I kind of knew exactly when I was going to come on and I wasn't late. Hence why the three day late thing was a bit like, oh, what? pregnant so we knew the point at which conception had happened like we actually had a date we had a date so we knew that she was 12 weeks and at my 12 week scan I got sent away because I was told you're you've just turned 11 weeks you're, you're not 12 weeks at all you're 11 weeks and the sonographer I'm sure she didn't mean it intentionally but she was so blunt like she was so like monosyllabic and just kind of cold as though I was wasting her time. Like I was trying to jump the gun and I was like, oh, I'm 12 weeks really. I knew I, I was over 12 weeks actually. I think I was like 12 weeks and six days, but I got sent away and got told to come back in a week's time. But we, we knew that we could not possibly be 11 weeks pregnant because we, with our dates, knew we were 12 weeks and six days. That's that. If we had been two weeks earlier, like she was suggesting our first ectopic scan would have been like three weeks. Yeah, which is impossible. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So we knew she was wrong. But you're not going to say that to a medical professional, are you? You don't have the confidence and you've never been pregnant before and you were also told you were infertile. So you're just going to take their word as gospel. Now, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And looking back, that was the, the real first like warning sign that something was going awry. The kind of like straw that broke the camel's back though was I had two very heavy bleeds so yes I was already spotting and do you know what I reckon I was spotting every single day it was really rare that I would go to the loo I'd always check my pants like I was obsessive about it I was like have I spotted more have I spotted more really rare that I would ever go and they would still be white always there'd be stuff there but whatever I was used to it and I was told I was assured it was fine and it is fine a lot of the time it's fine but there were two incidents where I had what I would call a sudden gush, where I suddenly just felt this flow come from me. Um, one of them was in a holiday home when we were away with Tristan's family in the summer when all the lockdown rules have re relaxed. Uh, and the other one was at work and was four minutes before we were about to go live. And I actually remained live on air, knowing that I was bleeding with this heavy gush um, for close to an hour um I had to tell my producer I had to tell my co-host like my co-host my fellow presenter Dave who at that point didn't even know I was pregnant so it literally went hi Dave I'm pregnant he put his arms in the air to cheer being like oh my god that's amazing and he said but I'm really heavily bleeding and Tristan's currently driving over from Winchester to pick me up because I need to go to the hospital. So that for him, bless him, was a massive roller coaster. And both uh, both times we went to the hospital and both times we kind of got dismissed afterwards saying everything's okay. You know, we've had a heartbeat, you're fine. Again, Tristan was sat outside and that's terrific for him. Now it is really, really important to both of us that we say to you now, if you're listening to this podcast and you are currently pregnant or if in the future you get pregnant and you remember this podcast, to please not panic because every single symptom that we have described to you can be passed off as completely normal and is completely normal and can still result in a perfectly healthy baby. Now I have a friend that comes to mind straight away her sizing was off. The measurements were always wrong. Um, she had heavy bleeds, like gushes, where she went to the hospital because she was like, that's it. I know I've lost the baby. And her child was born perfectly healthy like a few months later. Absolutely fine. So 
maybe we just had bad luck. Um, maybe they were unrelated. Maybe they were endo symptoms, you know, like a, a byproduct of having endometriosis and adhesions, splitting, whatever. We don't, we don't know and we never will know. Um, but it's just so important that you don't hear this and think, oh my God, I'm ticking these boxes too. Therefore, I'm about to have a miscarriage. That's not the case. But if you are ticking those boxes, it is important that you do go to the hospital. Yeah. So any sort of concerns that you may have, don't brush it off. Go there and get that reassurance. Yeah. So for us, we were always told the baby was okay. So in our minds, all these things were just endo, which they probably are. We have to then mentally be prepared for subsequent pregnancies <sighs> and expecting potentially some of these things to happen again. Which is going to be really difficult to deal with. It's going to be horrible because all you have in your mind is what's happened before. I'm going to be a nervous wreck. You will be. I'm going to be absolute nervous wreck. Every single time one of these inevitably happens again, I'm going to be panicking. But yeah... To summarize this point, please, I always say this, you know your body better than anyone. You will have a sixth sense if you think something's wrong. Don't, no question is a silly question. Just go and get it checked out. Just ask, ask. There's no harm in asking. Now, we're not going to go into detail about what happened with the miscarriage itself. Um, but essentially, I was alone when I found out the news. Tristan was sat in a car outside the hospital. He had to get called by a midwife to say Miranda's received some really bad news. I was then taken off into like a bereavement room. Um, Trist couldn't find me in the hospital. There was like this five minute gap, which felt like an eternity where he was running around the hospital trying to be like, Miranda Burns, Miranda Burns, where's this patient? She's had bad news, I need to find her. Not even knowing what the bad news was at that point. So the whole situation was just handled awfully. Um, he should have been with me when we found out. I should not have been alone. He then shouldn't have been tortured for five minutes, which felt like forever um, until he found out. So... Yeah, I mean, that was horrific, but we got pregnant in a pandemic and we miscarried in a pandemic. And that's just that's just what happened. On the pandemic point as well, the being in the car thing is probably, for me, the worst part of the whole experience. Because this whole thing is done as a couple. Yeah. You know, this is half my baby. Yes. And I, like so many other men were sat in cars. Like I would sit in the car park outside the maternity ward and you could look at all the cars and see the men sat in there as well. Such a Eagerly sad waiting for the text oh. on their phone to make sure everything's okay. Or it, it, It's horrible. It's really difficult. And I understand the reasons for having it in place initially. But when you start opening pubs and when you start opening restaurants, eat out to help out, yep. but a father isn't allowed to go into a scan, that that is beyond unfair. It's, it's literally life and death. Mm. Like... I'm not exaggerating. It is the assessment of whether your child is going to live or die. You're going in for a serious scan. Like I was being seen by a consultant because there were problems. They were con they were starting to get concerned. They were hearing the alarm bells. And yeah, I had to go in by myself. And Tristan had to wait alone outside. I think that that's inhuman. Obviously, we are very emotional about this because we live through it. So we're sensitive to it. Um, you might be listening and thinking, no, that's a sacrifice that had to be made. And you know, we're not going to dwell on it too much because it's in the past. And hopefully with the vaccine now we're moving forward and we're out of it. But personally, Tristan and I just don't think it was fair. And you were put through emotional trauma because of that. I think when we're in the initial stages of the pandemic and everything was closed completely. Yeah, makes sense. I get that. But when you start opening gyms and stuff, that is where it starts to feel unfair. And I saw a lot of stuff on social media and I understand that everyone has their own things that they are missing during a pandemic everyone struggles with stuff like mental health is massive and there are parts of life yes. like gyms and pubs and ways to socialize that mean people aren't you know they, when they're closed people's mental health is affected and i completely understand that 
and you know, your your phrase that you use just because my oh yeah just because someone's in a full body cast doesn't mean my broken little finger can't hurt and i understand that phrase and, and why it's there but when you are an expectant father during a pandemic who is not able to go into scans where they're deciding whether your child's going to make it or not and you're seeing people complaining about a pub being closed and yeah. not going to go and watch the football from uh. there it just it just feels really again using the word unfair yeah it's like have some perspective the inconsistencies were so difficult for us to process and to accept and i don't think we did we never accepted them we didn't accept them i was um i was interviewed a few weeks ago um for something and i was asked some questions about my experience and how things were um and one of the things that i kind of realized i guess myself in the interview was a point that i'm going to make now which was whilst I wasn't in that room and me not being allowed in that room. I almost feel like had I been there for other things, I would have pushed to ask more questions. Mm. I would have said, can you offer us up amniocentesis? I know that there are risks with that, but we might have found out earlier. It wouldn't have changed the course of the pregnancy. No. But it would have meant that we wouldn't have got to that later stage that we did. Which was the most like torturous element, wasn't it? Getting to 18 weeks. That's You're supposed to be in the clear. Like you get past 12 and it's like, oh, come on, plain sailing. I'm into the second trimester. Let's do this. So yeah, you're completely right. And, and again, with that point, because of this whole rhetoric around the NHS being overwhelmed, you almost don't want to ask the questions. Mm. You know, if, if someone is saying to you, oh, we've, we've done the heartbeat, we hear a heartbeat, it's fine. I understand that standard practice, but had we not been in a pandemic and I've been there, would I have asked for more? Would I have pressed for more? Yeah. And that, again, is a consequence of the way the world is at the moment, that you, you know, I understand it is overwhelmed and there are difficulties within the NHS, but had we not have been in the pandemic and had things been different, would I have been in that room saying, you know, is there anything else we can do? We're obviously really worried. But for you, when you're there on your own and you've just been given this news, your baby's okay. Well, what, you know, you're not going to think to say that, you know, that's... Yeah, you're going to cling to it. Exactly. You want to cling to it. You want to hear that good news and you don't want to cause a fuss. I think it's something that's like intrinsically like British in us as well. You just, you don't want to ever cause a fuss. You want to be polite. I'm very much the opposite of that. Oh yeah, actually I'm like this that. Is, this is where we differ. This is where I'm the one who would be like, yo, this is wrong. Like, yeah. <laughs> do this, do that. Can we do it? You know, and, and that's what we ended up doing at the later stages. And that's, yeah. you know, we then found out that we obviously had a, a, a miscarriage and, and that yeah. was, that was difficult. Now, uh, fortunately, Tristan was allowed to come into the hospital when we had the miscarriage. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar, you have to basically take a tablet and it stimulates your body into going into like a, it's like a labor. You get contractions, your waters break. Don't, don't, yeah, it is yeah, labor. Yeah, it's horrible. It's really painful. Now, obviously, because you're not giving birth to an alive baby, you can have things like morphine. Um, so I was able to have morphine and that kind of knocked me out. So I, I, was, I was very dozy throughout the process. But when we actually had to like, push her out um i felt that it was yeah i i had con contractions i was in excruciating pain it was horrific you know there's a cord the cords there everything is there that you are supposed to experience when you give birth bar the baby at the end and that's the biggest difference in this process versus real labor when you are giving birth to a, a baby you have in your mind that no matter what pain you're in, no matter what you're going through at that moment, the end of it, there is this light. And for us, the entire process was just miserable and horrible. Yeah. It was like, you're going to have to go through something um, horrific, excruciating, distressing, um, 
and there's going to be literally no payoff. You just have to have this horrible experience and then you go home and that's that. And you're left with the bump. This is the other thing that people seem like, it's not anyone's fault, but you just forget. When you've been four months pregnant, you have a bump, like it's there. And that bump doesn't vanish when you give birth. Like if you'd given birth at nine months, you still always have a bump afterwards, don't you? You've put on weight, you have like the little sack or whatever. So I had to return home with this memory of what had been and a, a, a physical, a physical thing on me that I had to carry around everywhere that I went being like, oh, you were pregnant, but you lost it. And it was there. And like, it was there in the clothes that I could no longer fit in. It was there when I had a shower. Like it was there when I went to the bathroom. Like it was there constantly. And it was just like, here's your reminder that you lost your child, which is awful. And I think that until you've been through something like that, you don't realize just how difficult it is. A lot of people expect you to bounce back, mm. you know, and the term miscarriage is a really difficult one to to label this with. Yeah. And someone who's not been through that experience, hears miscarriage and can unfortunately be a little bit dismissive of it. And yeah, expect you to bounce back, which you can't do. Like we, we spent a third of a year planning a baby like that's that's so long like you would catch yourself afterwards still thinking about it like subconsciously like planning things in the background of your mind you'd be you'd be like washing up and then you'd be like oh we need to get xyz and you have to catch yourself and think oh no that's not happening anymore how do you bounce back from that you can't you can't you have to give yourself time and your friends and your family have to give you time i mean we were lucky because a lot of people were incredibly understanding some people didn't quite get it so well. Um, and, you know, there were some people who two weeks later, like, so how are you feeling now? You're right. Of course, I'm not all right. And their hearts were in the right place, but they just simply couldn't understand. Yeah, I mean, the, the fallout is is just miserable. I mean, I don't even remember properly the, the first few weeks afterwards. So it was just a lot of crying. I, I wasn't able to sleep. We didn't want to eat we couldn't bring ourselves to cook things our house was filled with flowers and cards and it was just a really surreal time which feels kind of hazy when I try to remember it now and you see babies everywhere like you you just like I would pop to boots for example and there would be a mum with a baby in a pram or there would be people sharing photos of babies on social media people that have their children and no one is doing anything wrong and you can't expect the world to stop whilst you grieve, okay? Doesn't work like that, obviously. And people go through awful things all the time and the world can't accommodate. And that's the thing, it is grieving. And I think even if you haven't been through a miscarriage or a pregnancy loss or whatever you want to refer to it as, everyone will have had some form of loss. If you haven't, you're incredibly lucky to mm -hmm. have not had that. But in loss, you do see these reminders they probably would have all been there and you wouldn't have noticed them. But it's when things happen that you do notice it. And whether it be a grandparent, whether it be a parent, a sibling, uncles, aunts, friends, whoever it may be that you've lost, you instantly are hyper aware to these things going on around you and seeing stuff, be it on TV, in town, anywhere you are, these things suddenly start appearing yeah. and it can become very overwhelming when you've been through something and all of a sudden everywhere you look are reminders of what you've lost. Oh, absolutely. I suppose the best thing to compare it to if you haven't experienced like kind of proper grief is, you know, when you go through a breakup and then you just suddenly see couples everywhere. That's what it's like, but worse. It, like, like so much worse. Um, 
and it's constant, you know, it's, it's constant. And even now here we are months and months and months later. And I still, when I see a pregnancy announcement, I still, I'll be honest, like when I see photos of babies, it still upsets me. I'm still angry at the world that that happened to me. Um, there's anger directed towards completely innocent people who have done absolutely nothing wrong. You know, you have every right to share that photo of your beautiful baby. And I am so happy for you. But you know, like if I'm on Instagram and I'm scrolling and then suddenly it's just like, bam, that's the age that your baby would be right now. Like, that's really hard. It's just hard. And my sister gave us a brilliant analogy that she'd seen online. She said, if you imagine grief is like a huge ball, okay, and it's trapped in a box. And when you initially uh, experience this loss, that ball is bouncing around and it is hitting every single side of the box. You know, it's going like bing, 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 bing. Over time, the ball decreases in size. And so the rate that it hits the sides of the box is more like bing, 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 bing. And then you give yourself more time. And then eventually it, you're hardly hitting those sides at all. But inevitably every now and then there will still be an occasional bung as it hits. Targeted ads as well was the worst thing for me. You know what your phone's like. It listens to you. They knew that I'd been planning a baby for whatever it was, like four months. So I was getting... Uh, ads for nappies I was getting ads for breast pumps like so much baby related stuff there was a subscription that I'd signed up for like a kind of baby newsletter and I wrote to them I emailed them like maybe three or four times begging them to take me off their subscription list I unsubscribed so many times and they just didn't and so I would like every two weeks get another newsletter telling me about all these deals I could get on baby products that was horrible I even said when I messaged them I was like I've had a miscarriage. Stop sending me this stuff. You're making it worse. Um, and they just never responded. So that wasn't great. It's like a physical stab, isn't it? It's like a like a sting in your heart, like a pang of hurt um, that just eventually you kind of learn to live with and still comes every now and then. But when your heart rate picks up, it subdues a little bit faster. And when your eyes start to well up, they then dry up a little bit faster and you just have to move on with your life. Now it's weird because we're entering this new chapter uh, with IVF, which we're incredibly excited about. And we're sort of hoping to channel a lot of the negativity into some kind of positive outcome. I guess you could describe it as that. But doctor's appointments to this day, I find them stressful. I lose sleep the nights before. I panic. I don't like the fact that Tristan can't come with me because it feels like familiar territory. It's like Tristan wasn't with me last time and I got bad news. So I'm going to get bad news again. Um, so that's not ideal. And I know, like we said earlier, when I do get pregnant, I'll question everything. Every time I feel like a little twinge, every time like I have some bleeding, I'm going to panic and I'm just going to want to wrap myself up in cotton wool. So we'll see where we're at. I mean, we're going to be doing this podcast for hopefully years to come. So we'll document all of this and I'm going to be really honest and really frank. Um, and I don't think, to be honest, I'll be happy until that baby is in my arms. Even when I reach like 38 weeks, I'll still be panicking. I need that healthy baby in my arms and then I'll feel okay with it. I don't know about you. I can't. I can't speak on your behalf. I think it, it, for me, it will be easier than it is for you. You've been through the physical everything, right? So you knew how you were feeling when we ended up having a miscarriage. Whether or not those feelings you had are a result of the miscarriage, with the pain, the bleeding, everything. Regardless of that, if you have any sort of thing, anything close to those feelings in our next pregnancy you're going to worry. Yeah. You say it yourself. You know your body better than anyone else. And that's true. But when you've been through something like this and you have a, a, a tiniest little warning sign 
that most pregnancies would brush off it's amplified by yeah. what's gone on so i think for you it will be more difficult i think my part of my responsibility in this is helping you and getting you through it all and i'm prepared for that because i know that you're going to be worried and inevitably when you worry i will worry after i know what's happened. <laughs> but we you know we, we we're gonna have a very difficult pregnancy it may be the smoothest pregnancy ever but I'm still going to worry. You're still going to worry. <laughs> Obviously. Like, you know, it, it could be a pregnancy where we have no warning signs. Some pregnancies, people go for their 12-week scan and their 20-week scan. And then the next time they're in hospital after that is towards the end of the pregnancy. I can't even fathom that. No. We, we went to the hospital, like, what was it? Once, eight, twice a nine week. times. Yeah. yeah, just in the first 12 weeks alone. So it, it's it's mad. So we, maybe we have that. But regardless of how the pregnancy goes, you're going to worry. For me personally... I just want to have that excitement back. I think when we were pregnant, those few months were just the best and the anticipation of what was to come was huge for us. And that really gave us positivity through a time like a pandemic where there was very little positivity out there. So I want to have that feeling back. And I think also knowing how that felt, knowing how it was and having it dangled in front of us makes you crave it more. Mm. Um, and I'll mention, so we named our daughter Amberly, and we through this whole kind of IVF journey post-miscarriage, we've said that we want to give her a little brother or sister because that's what it is. Yeah. Regardless of how the pregnancy ended, we're parents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? We made a baby. You held her for 18 weeks. You know, although we ended in miscarriage and it was just the worst thing, we still had a baby, right? Yeah. And that will stay with me forever. And you know, people I've spoken to afterwards, the community who've been through this are, you know, it's the worst group to be in, but some of the people in there are just so lovely and so wonderful and they reach out and are so open. And that helps so much when you're going through it. And a lot of them have said, you know, I still refer to it, you know, I'm a I'm a mother of three. You know, you've only got two children who are living, but you've got you've had yeah, a miscarriage. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And that's a really nice way to refer to it. And I don't want to necessarily do that because for some people, that might be a bit much in conversation. Mm. But mentally, to know that that baby that you had is still a child that you've you've had. A part of your family. That, that'll and be it, yeah. won't it? Yeah, like moving forward, when we hopefully have children and Emily gets a brother or sister, that, which she's she's not going to be forgotten about. She's going to be talked about. We know we'll celebrate like her G-Day. You know, we're not going to pretend like that never happened. Because at the end of the day, she's still the miracle baby. We still got pregnant naturally. She she defied all the odds. How many times can you say defied the odds in one podcast? Four or five? But and, she did. And she showed us that you can carry a baby. You know, for 18 weeks you carried her against all the odds in context of the situation. But then when you think about what was wrong with her, you still managed to carry her. Your body would not give up. And that shows us moving forward that any pregnancies we have, your body is able to do that. Mm. She showed us that despite all of the issues we've discussed on the podcast that we've got with your fallopian tubes, your AMH, my sperm, all this stuff, we defied all those odds and we got pregnant. Now, I don't know how much Tristan's going to edit this down by, but we've been talking for an hour, um, which is crazy. We've not spoken about these things for so long. It's actually been really nice to chat, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. So I think that's it for today. If you like what you heard, the best way to support us is to leave a review, share it with your friends, family, parents, guardians, milkmen, whoever it may be, <laughs> and make sure to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I want a milkman. I think that's so cool. Such a wholesome British thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, love that. Um, but yeah, do leave a review. Please get involved. It will make our day. Now, next week, 
IVF is beginning, all right? I'm gonna be learning how to inject myself, which is equal parts terrifying and thrilling, so you do not want to miss that episode. And don't forget, you can see our faces over on Instagram, Miranda.Burns, Tristan.Hall, and TestTubeBabyPod, pod for podcast. Love you, bye! Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details